You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Happy New Year. As uh, has already been mentioned uh, a bunch of times, because I think we're all excited about it, 2020's finally finished. And um, yeah, all right. Uh, well, it was certainly a difficult year in, in many ways, right? On, on the flip side, though, I, I know that in many different ways, I'd say that the past year was, was kind of actually good for us uh, in both highlighting what's truly important in our lives um, and in the same way forcing us to, to lean more and more into the grace and provision of God, and so in these things, we, we can rejoice in the way He's carried us through and also use the past year's crisis to teach us and, and even stretch our faith and perseverance in Him. And so we can be thankful for that. And, and I want to mention as well, th- through, through it all, through this whole year, I've marveled at, at this congregation's strong commitment to the church uh, and, and as well, all the efforts many of you have made to, to remain connected with one another. It's been great and encouraging to see you guys doing that and, and hearing about you guys doing that. Uh, because during times like these, it's, it's always tempting to protect our own selfish interests, right? Our survival instincts kick in. We want to protect our own selfish in, interests. Or in times like these, it's, it's, it's tempting to, to leave or, or disengage from the church family because of that separation. But yet, over and over, I've seen most of you make decisions to reach out and support and encourage and stand by one another through this difficult time in both simple and very creative ways. Uh, It's been awesome to see, so keep it going and keep doing it. Keep reaching out to one another because this is a huge part of what being a church family is all about right? Standing by and, and loving each other in the unity of the Spirit, no matter what we're facing or what we're going through. But again, that doesn't mean this last year was enjoyable or easy, right? Uh, so at least now, having gone through what we've gone through, having gone through this with, with our priorities hopefully straightened a little more and our faith increased with our eyes on God, we get to now step into a new season together, of course, it's not like everything magically changes as, as soon as the year turns over, because yes, for now, we're, we're still facing many of the same issues, but yet at the same time, I know God's been preparing us through it precisely because He has a lot of things in store for us as, as a church in this coming year. And, and as Brad was praying earlier, He's, he's faithful to, to keep doing that in us. Right? And, 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 and I believe that we're, we're heading into seasons of growth, that we're, we're heading into seasons of freedom and joy and seasons of expectation for what he's going to do. Above all, my prayer for us is that in this new season that we're stepping into, that we'd be given even more opportunity as believers, as the church, to share and proclaim the name of Jesus. Especially because th- this is the sole reason the church exists. So, so as the year turns over, if we're to make any resolutions this year, I pray it would be this, that, that we'd proclaim the name of Jesus more passionately, more boldly, and more loudly in our lives. This is, after all, according to our church's purpose statement, 
This is our, this is our passion at the gate. This is what we're all about, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. That's what we're all about. That's what we're passionate about. That's why we exist, making Jesus known and bringing him glory. Deuteronomy 32.3 says, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. This is what we want to do. Proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. Because he's the reason for our salvation from sin, right? He's the reason we have life eternal. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's our purpose. He's the reason we gather together. He's, he's everything, right? And therefore, we long to make his name known, to worship him, to know him deeper, and to, and to declare the good news of his grace to, and, and love to those who need to hear it. Jesus is our passion, Albert Muller writes, the Christian finds passion in the great truths of the Christian faith, especially in the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one who has truly experienced the transforming and redeeming power of the gospel can think of life without passion. A Christian arises from this passion and is driven by it. So again, that's why we exist. That's what drives us to, to do what we do and to be who we are. It's all because of and to Jesus. And therefore, we want everything that we do as a church to be done from that passion and that desire. And we want to see that passion and desire increase this year. Philip Reichen writes, when, when the church does what it is supposed to do, Everything it does exalts the name of Jesus Christ. The result is a growing church, a church that God will use to bring people to know him in a saving way. So we're not perfect in this, but we, but we, we strive for this, right? We want everything we do from Sunday morning services to community groups to Zoom meetings to discipleship programs in our individual lives when we're, when we're away from the church, right, to special events in, in, in times that we serve in the church, to missions. We want everything we do and invest in as a church to be for this purpose, for the purpose of exalting the name of Jesus so that, so that God can bless this church and use this church all of us, to display his love to the world and to draw even more people to him through the saving grace of Christ. On that end, you know, one of the main reasons we, we decided to use the phrase or, or use the word passion instead of any other word to define why we exist as a church, and I mentioned this before, but, but this is the reason. It's because, first of all, Jesus is someone to be excited about. Amen? Yeah. We, we love him and, and are encouraged about Jesus and what he's doing here, and we want all of you, by the power of his Holy Spirit, to be passionate about Jesus in your lives as well. That's why, that's why we chose the word passion. But secondly, it's because, as I stated earlier, whatever we're passionate about will drive everything else we do, right? If you're passionate about, about soccer, who here is just me, just me? Right? You, all right, Nora. You, then, then you're going like, to work out, right? You're going you're gonna to watch soccer. You're going to tell people about soccer. You're going to invite people to play soccer. You're going to sign up for soccer. You're going to invest in that, right? If it, we're, we, whatever we're passionate about will drive everything else we do. So it's, it's passion for his name 
then that, that enables us to want to share his name with the world and to be committed and work tirelessly for his name. It's what propels us to, to be able to stand in front of adversity and fight through it in his name. And it's what gets us up in the morning. 2 Corinthians 5, 13 to 15 says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. How many people can say that in our lives? In our everyday lives, for the, for, the, for the love of Christ controls us. That's where we want to be, right? For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, right? We've died in our sins, right? And he died for all that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised, so as, as believers, we know that God's glory, His presence, and the gospel of Jesus Christ are everything. It's everything. He died so that we may live. And it's in this conviction, only this kind of conviction stirred up by the love of Christ that will compel us to, to authentic action of a passionate life lived out for His name and the glory of God. We want his love to control us or to compel us, as some translations say. And one of my favorite examples of this lifestyle from Scripture is an, is an elderly widow by the name of Anna. Only a, only a couple of short verses are dedicated to her in the Gospel of Luke. But yet, her impact and an example for us as someone who's deeply devoted and passionate in proclaiming Christ and giving glory to God is huge. So let's learn from her this morning and, and, and allow her example to, to reorient our resolve and purpose in the coming year. So turn with me now to Luke 2, 36 to 38. Luke 2, 36 to 38. And it says, And there was a prophetess, or prophetess, prophetess? I don't know how to pronounce that. And there was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow, until she was 84 she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So just a little background of what's going on here. So at this point in the narrative of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is most likely only 40 days old. And, and he's been brought into the temple of God by Mary and Joseph to be dedicated before the Lord according to the law. So Jesus is still a baby at, at this point. But yet, as soon as Anna sees him, it says coming up at that very hour, that means she, she saw Jesus when, when he was there. As soon as she sees him, she reacts in the only reasonable way to seeing the Messiah. She rejoices in God with thanksgiving and proclaims this good news of Jesus to anyone who will listen. 
And so as we get this glimpse of Anna's passion for Jesus and gratefulness to God here, I think we should be both encouraged, but also maybe a little admonished in our own lives as well. Encouraged by her example to live our own lives in Christ with this passion, but admonished by the fact that so often we don't. Right? Too, too often, I think, we, we lose that, that first love or that passion we had maybe when we were first saved by Jesus. Over the years, it, it starts to fade. Maybe it becomes mundane. Maybe we take our salvation for granted. Maybe we forget how wonderful and, and incredible the grace and gift of Jesus is for us. Maybe we get distracted by the cares of this world or the bitterness of past experiences, or maybe we get caught up in traditions and religiosity and, and, and works. But for whatever reason, as, as time goes on, we we, we tend to lose this, this fervor and this gratefulness for Jesus, which Anna, the prophet, exudes even at 84 years old. That's incredible. And it even compels her to boldly and excitedly share the gospel with others. As Tabiti Anibwile writes, the Christian heart should be a grateful heart. And he continues and he says, and as much as I want to encourage older saints, I also want to provide a respectful word of admonishment. Sometimes age has a way of making people bitter rather than thankful. There are churches filled with older saints, but they're not like Anna. They're hard. Their faces display a peevishness and unkindness so my encouragement is this. Don't let that be you and me. Don't let that be you and me. As we age, let us become more expert in giving God thanks for thousands of days of fresh mercy He has shown us. Anna gives thanks for her Savior and then starts gossiping the gospel. So we, again, we don't know much about Anna but what we do know, from what it says in that passage, those short three verses, is that she was married for seven years until she lost her husband, probably around the time that she was 20 or 21, at which point she then lived as a widow for what must have been over 60 years, almost 65 years at that point. But it's incredible. And instead of becoming hard and bitter through this difficulty in her early life, she, she actually used the circumstance to, to become even more devoted and solely dedicated to the Lord. That's powerful in and of itself. A powerful example. And then it says she spent every day in the temple. It says she spent her days and nights fasting and praying it implies that she understood the scriptures regarding the, the promise of the Messiah and the redemption of God's people. And so it's not hard to, to find the answer for what makes her so effective and passionate at being a prophet of God and evangelist for Christ. It's because of her dedication and continued practice of holiness before the Lord. 
right? We, we can safely assume that this is also why she recognized and instantly believed in Jesus as the Messiah when he arrived at the temple that day because she knew the Lord and his word, because she was ready for his promise to be revealed, because she'd set her life apart to live solely for God. And if, and if we're to be effective in what we say we're passionate about here at the gate, about proclaiming Jesus for the glory of God, we need to follow her example here. As Steve Andrews writes, he says, Anna's purity serves as a beautiful picture that an effective witness flows from a holy life. But many Christians are weak and ineffective because their lives are filled with ungodliness. These weak witnesses live with shame, knowing their hypocrisy limits their credibility in speaking for the cause of Christ. So these worldly believers remain silent. But the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, instructing him, if a man cleanses himself, he will be a vessel of honor, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. Christ died for all so that all who now live no longer live for themselves but for Him. Right? Anna's a wonderful example for, for us and what this looks like. She lives for Him and she's useful and effective for Him. Kind of as a, as a side note, here, first of all, she's an inspiration to the elderly and, and a reminder for us of God's significant purpose and importance for that generation in His kingdom. But she's also an example for younger believers as well in being someone to aspire to. Not that we have to spend every day of our lives in church like she did, right? Not at all, but, but in Christ, we've each become temples of the Holy Spirit already. And therefore, we've been called, like Anna, to live each moment of our lives in the presence and glory of God, to be set apart for Him from the world as living vessels meant for good works in the world which proclaim Him. So again, if, if we resolve to do anything in this new year, my prayer, my plea, is that it would be to have a greater fervor and passion for the presence of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would learn from Anna, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we'd resolve to dedicate our lives in holy service and gratitude to Him. And to that end, that we would spend more time this year in fasting and in prayer. And that we would also spend more time in the Scriptures so that we, we can not only grow in the knowledge of Christ, but be better prepared to both live it out and, of course, tell people about Him. So that above all, we would grow and grow in our passion and eager desire to proclaim the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Again, I, I pray that this would be our goal and, and our resolution this year for the church as a whole, but also 
for each of you as individual disciples of Christ. As the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 3.14, he says, I pursue as my goal the prized promise by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Let that be our resolution this year. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for each and every person here this morning, each and every person watching online. I thank you for the way that you've brought us through this past year. We've all had to face this, this challenge of pandemic in, in many different ways, but yet you've carried us through, Lord, and I, and I thank you so much for that, and we are so grateful for your provision, for your grace, for your daily mercy each and every morning. But Lord, above all, above all I thank you so much for the grace that you've, and love that you've given us through Jesus Christ through rescuing us from our sin and calling us into a, into a greater and more eternal purpose. Lord, I pray that you would, you would remind us of that daily and that, that our passion for your name would, would grow and, and overflow out of the gratefulness we have for your grace and love that you've poured out on us, that you've freely given to us through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that, 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 it wouldn't, that it wouldn't waver, that it wouldn't fade, Lord, but that it would continue to grow, like, like Anna, who, who, who gave her, her whole life to you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. She gave everything to you, Lord God. I pray that we would follow her example and lay down our lives and follow after you, that you would be everything, Lord, that you would use us as a church and as individuals this year, Lord in an even greater way than you have before in the past, to shine your light in this city, in this world, Lord. That through us, your love would be made known. That through us, your gospel would be proclaimed. And that people would come to know you. Jesus, that we would continue your mission, your glorious mission, to seek and save the lost, Lord. That you would use us as vessels for that. I pray through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just increase in us a passion for this, a passion for your name above anything else in our lives, that your name would be made known, Lord. And we pray this in your mighty and holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.